everyone, and welcome to Myth in the Mojave, a weekly half hour of storytelling and conversation about mythology and why it's important to our lives today. I'm your personal mythologist, Catherine Svela. I live in Joshua Tree, and I'm pleased to bring this program to the high desert and beyond here on Radio Free, Joshua Tree. This week, I want to share a couple of Native American trickster stories from the Shemawavi people. I told these stories at a meeting of the Morongo Basin Historical Society as part of their monthly public lecture series, and I know that many of you listening are special fans of Coyote, so I've excerpted a couple of the stories from that lecture to share with you in this program. History and mythology are very closely related. Both of them are speaking of the past, and yet both of them are very much alive and shaping the present. We are making history as we live it, just as we are making myths in the course of living. But what is considered historically significant, the events and the people and the details that make it into our history books, not only illustrate our view of ourselves and tell us what is significant, they reflect our cultural mythologies. History is one form through which people express their myths. Our mythology dictates what we will make our history. Now, these coyote stories are from the Shemawavi, which is a Native American people who lived and still live east of here along the Colorado River and in other places here in the Mojave. They have a special relationship to Coyote, one that is worthy of contemplation and begins in their cycle of creation myths, which is where the two stories in this program came from. As I told the folks who attended my lecture, understanding myths from other cultures is useful because they give us a broader perspective on the human condition. When we consider how other people have imagined the origin of the world, and of people, and their ideas about the right way for human beings to live, we are introduced to a wider range of possibilities. We learn about other people through learning their myths and stories. But the myths of other cultures are also a good tool for the exploration of your own belief system. And Native American stories and coyote stories in particular are good for this, I think, because they can be challenging if you're not familiar with their conventions. The narratives don't necessarily end in familiar ways, and there are details about life and the natural world that are unfamiliar to many of us. So as you listen, I want to invite you to examine your reactions to these stories as information for yourself about your view of the world and your beliefs. I invite you to do some comparing and contrasting and try to imagine what might be different if you saw yourself and the origin of the world through the lens of this story. Many of our assumptions about life and the world are unconscious. So bringing them to conscious awareness is the first step in truly owning and potentially changing them. Now, on with the stories 
And thanks again to the Morongo Basin Historical Society for inviting me to speak to their group. Without further ado then, let me introduce you to Coyote. Coyote's best known through his stories. And according to the Shemawavi, he was around at almost the very beginning. Because in the very, very beginning, there was just water. And old ocean woman came down from the sky in the form of a worm. You can imagine a caterpillar, maybe, on a thread hanging from a branch. And she dropped down from the sky, and she crumbled a little dirt onto the surface of the water. And it floated. And so she let herself down onto the dirt in her worm form, and she started spreading it around. First she spread it around with her hands, and then as it started getting wider and wider and wider, then she started using her feet. And when she got it as spread out as far as she could, she stopped, and she took a little bit of the dirt and the sweat from her crotch and made coyote. And she said, Coyote, I want you to go out and go around and, you know, go and look at the land and, and, and come back and tell me when you think it's big enough. And so Coyote went out, and he walked, and he walked, and he walked. And when he finally took him more than a day to walk all the way around, he came back to Old Ocean Woman, and he said, okay, I think it's big enough. So then she made Wolf and Mountain Lion. And these three were the original primal brothers. Now, Coyote, technically, of course, was made first. But once the three were all assembled, it was decided that Wolf should be the oldest brother. Because Wolf had a lot of common sense. And Coyote was made the youngest because he was very foolish. And the Shemawavi say, well, if we would have followed Wolf, we would have been like gods, but we followed Coyote. <laughs> so that's the first story in their creation cycle. And it tells us a few really important things about Coyote. And I'm not going to belabor some of this because I already know that there are a lot of people in the audience who are fans of Coyote and Trickster. But a few things that this story tells us. One thing it tells us is his close relationship to creation and creativity. He's there with her at the very beginning. And he is given a job. Tell me how big it is. The second thing that we notice is how he was made. Coyote is a creature of appetite. He's very close to the body. He's obsessed with food and sex, and he was made that way. The third thing is that he likes to wander. At the very beginning, he's given this instruction, go around and look and see how big the world is. And as it turns out, that kind of wandering and walking around, often without any purpose at all, is Coyote's primary occupation. And then the fourth thing, which we're just told, but I think that the stories I'm going to tell you will demonstrate is his hallmark foolishness. The thing about Coyote is that he's a trickster. And it's a very interesting figure in mythology because most of the players in traditional mythologies have very defined roles as 
good or bad in some way or another. And they're involved with trying to create certain kinds of order. And we are not of their type. Lots of mythologies revolve in many ways around the difference between human beings and the gods. They're immortal, we're mortal, so on and so forth. But Coyote is in the middle. He is a hero in some stories, and he's a total ass in others. He creates things by destroying them. He has all kinds of of traits that we look down on. He's boastful. He lies. But the thing is, is that by lying, he tells the truth. He crosses all of the boundaries, and in doing so, he defines them. So there's a way in which Coyote is really instrumental in creating everything that we consider to be the human world. Does this make sense? All of our conventions, he's involved in all of that, either as a good example or a bad one. And I think he's particularly interesting for those of us in this room to contemplate because The primary mythologies that we have grown up in, the ones that inculcate our culture, Christianity and science, don't have a trickster. One thing I'll just throw out there, you know, which you can think about or not as I'm telling these stories, is what are the implications of that? What's the difference between the world with trickster and the world without one? And again, obviously, we're talking about your world, world of belief, because the trickster's there, whether or not you believe in him. But how do you use this idea? So I want, let me just stop for a second and see if anyone has questions or anything that they want to add. Otherwise, I'm going to move on to a more extensive story. Okay. All right, good. Well, I'm going to take silence as approval. Can I take silence as approval? Can I tell you another story? A longer one? Okay. This next story is um, another one from their creation cycle. And it's called, How Coyote Packing People Returned from Across the Ocean. Now, we're staying in the days when Wolf and Wildcat and Coyote were all still on Earth, on the, on the land, the way that, that we are now. And I'll talk a little bit about that distinction when I get done with this story. But Coyote was living with his brother Wolf on the sacred mountain called Snow Having. And one day he said to Wolf, you know, I'm I'm tired of sitting around here. I'm going to go out and look at the land. And the land was new then. And so he went out and he looked around. And as he was out there walking, he saw some tracks. Hmm, Coyote thought, whoa, I wonder what made those tracks. And he took a closer look and he said, oh, those look like they might be the tracks of a woman. I'm going to follow her. And so he ran along her tracks as fast as he could and eventually caught up with this young woman. And when he came up to her, he said, oh, young woman, you, I want you to come home and live with me. And she said, no, I'm I'm not interested in that. I've been out looking around, and uh, I'm on my way home now. Oh, Coyote said, are you sure? Because I have a lot of provisions, and I have buckskin for you to wear. It could be really good. 
No, she says, I, I, I meant no, I'm on my way home. Well, says Coyote, then you know what? I'm, I'm just going to do it to you right here. <laughs> right here in the, in the open. I don't think so. I'll tell you what, Coyote, um, why don't you run on ahead and make a house? And you can do it to me in there. Oh, he says, good. So Coyote runs on ahead. And he runs up ahead a little ways, and he gathers some brush and makes a brush house and goes inside and lays down to wait. <laughs> and the woman's walking along, and as she's walking, she's making up this song that goes, Honored little jackrabbit apron jumps up and down. Now, she was wearing a little apron made out of one big jackrabbit tail. It was kind of bouncing up and down in front of her thighs. So she walked along this kind of bouncing along and singing her song and she came within sight of the house that Coyote had built. And when she got closer, she thought to herself, hmm, wouldn't it be nice if he went to sleep? And Coyote fell asleep. She got up to the house. She looked in and saw him in there, kept on walking. And after she'd walked a little ways, she thought about Coyote. Hmm. Well, wouldn't it be nice if he woke up right now? And he did. And Coyote woke up and went, oh my God, I, I fell asleep just as she was getting close. I've got to catch up with her. And he went outside and he looked at no sign of her. So he used his rapid travel spell and caught right up with her. She was still walking along singing. He said, okay, now, this, I, I'm going to do it to you now, for sure. No, 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 Coyote, she said. You know, you're, you're, run ahead again and just build another house. Okay, he says. So Coyote runs ahead again. Builds another brush house, goes inside, lays down to wait. And again, the young woman walks along, and she gets within sight of the house, and she sees it, and she's still singing her little jackrabbit apron song. And she thinks to herself, hmm, wouldn't it be nice if, if Coyote fell asleep? And he fell asleep. And this time, when she walked up and she looked in and she saw him, she like, Kicked a little dirt on him. <laughs> and then she kept on walking. And this time she went a little further. But then again, she, she remembered Coyote, and she went, oh, well, hmm, hmm, wouldn't it be nice if Coyote woke up now? And he woke up. And he looked around, and he went, damn, I fell asleep again, just as she was getting close. And he jumped up, and he ran after her. This time he caught up to her and he was like, all right, I'm going to do it to you now. She said, no, you're not. Not out here in the open, you're not. You run on ahead and, 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 and make another house. Coyote said, I already made two houses. She said, hey, you keep, keep falling asleep. <laughs> so he ran on ahead and he made another house. And he kind of walked around and kind of found the best spot or whatever and laid down again. And you know what happened, right? <laughs> the old woman, the woman walks up. She sees the house. Again, she thinks to herself, 
why doesn't Coyote just fall asleep? And he did. And again, she walks up and she looks in and she sees him and she kicks a little bit more dirt on him this time. And this time when she walks off, she walks a long ways away. She's way far away. When she finally thinks to herself, oh, okay, maybe Coyote should wake up now. And he wakes up. Shit, he's missed it again. (laughs) So he runs to catch up with her. And, And this time, by the time he catches up with her, she's on the edge of the ocean. And he comes up to her, huffing and panting, and there he is, and he's like, oh, okay, this is it. Now. And she says, no. <laughs> I told you I was on my way home. I'm crossing the ocean. It's a long ways, and uh, adios. And Coyote says, oh, no, 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 take me with you. Says, oh, you can't, Coyote, you can't come with me across the water. Oh, no, take me with you, he says. All right, says the woman, you can get on my back, and I'll take you across. She puts him on her back, and she starts out across the water, and she gets a ways out. She dives down under the water. But Coyote turns himself into a water spider, and he skates across. And in fact, he actually gets to the other side and to the young woman's house before she does. And when he gets there, there's an old woman sitting outside. And he looks at her, and he just goes into the house and lays down. And after a little while, the young woman arrives. And the old woman says to her, so how was your trip? And she says, well, you know, I went all around, and I didn't see another living thing except for that coyote. And, you know, he wanted to come with me, and so I put him on my back, but I threw him away. And the old woman says, ah, he's in the house. (laughs) And Coyote had been laying there listening to all of this. So that night, he tries to get it on with with the woman. And he grunts and grunts and works at it all night, and he just can't make it happen. So the next day, he sleeps all day. And the second night, he tries again. Goes in there, and he just, oh, he just, but he can't. He can't get it in there. And so that morning, the second morning, he gets up like, yeah, well, morning, and it's really coyote, kind of more like noon, maybe. And he starts making arrows. And he spends all afternoon making arrows. And that night, again, unsuccessfully, tries to lay with the young woman. But the following morning, he gets right up, and he gets his arrows, and he says, I'm going to go hunting. The old woman has started making a basket. She looks up, fine, whatever. So Coyote goes out with his arrows, and... He's looking for small stuff, you know, rabbits and birds and things like that. And while he's out there, he meets another old woman, different old woman. And this old woman says, hey, Coyote, here's the deal. Uh, You need to kill a female mountain sheep. Get something big. And when you are dressing the carcass, get the neck bone and clean it up and smooth it up really good, 
and you take that and you hide that where you lay down and you use that first and then you'll be able to screw that young woman coyote saw got it okay but that day he only gets rabbits and a few ducks so that night another night grunting and kind of nothing happening the next morning though he gets up bright and early i'm gonna go and get big game today he says and he goes out and he does he gets a sheep gets a female mountain sheep and he does exactly what the other old woman had told him to do and when he gets back to the house, he, you know, hides the bone. And then that night when it was dark, he goes out and gets it, and he goes in, and sure enough, he penetrates the young woman with the bone, and it breaks all the teeth in her vagina. And then he has intercourse with her, with his wife. And he does this all night long, and the following day, sleeps all day. And then the second night, he does it again. But before he gets started... He ties his tail back, his hair, that is. And he says, this is the way it's going to be done from now on. And then he makes love to his wife all night. Well, so the next morning then, when he gets up, he goes outside, and the women are outside. And the old woman had narrowed the neck of the basket that she'd been working on during these few days. And the two women together worked to kind of close that up and tie the basket up good. And when Coyote came over to see what they were doing, the old woman said to him, you know, Coyote, it's time for you to go home now. And I want you to take this basket, but don't open it. And Coyote says, yeah, you know, I've been gone for a long time. I bet my brother's worried about me. So, sure. And he takes the basket and he puts it on his back. And he goes down to the edge of the water, and he turns himself into a water spider again, and he skates across. And when he gets to the other side and gets off the water onto the ground, he starts walking. It's like, the basket is heavy. He walks along, and he's like, cause it in my imagination? And he stops, and he puts it down. And he picks it up, and he walks some more. And it is, this basket is getting very heavy. And so he puts it down, and he thinks, damn, what's in this thing? I'm going to take a look. So he opens up the basket, and as soon as he loosens up the top, all these people start boiling out of the top and running away, and he can't catch them. And so he goes, well, I guess these will be the coast Indians. (laughs) Finally, he closes up the basket. There's a few left in there. He closes up the basket, and he takes it to Wolf on Snow Having. He goes back to his house. And when he gets there, he tells Wolf, he says, well, I had this amazing adventure, and I brought you this basket. Um, You know, the damn thing got really heavy, though, and so I I, I opened it up. And, uh, well, um, I think most of the good ones escaped, but there's a few in there. And Wolf says, are you kidding me? You can never follow instructions. You screwed this up. Coyote was like, yeah, I know. It's just like you said, but hey, it was heavy. I mean, what do you want? I had to look. So Wolf opens up the basket and 
looks inside and goes, oh, my God, there's only the worthless stuff in here. There's a few people in there and, and their excrement. And Wolf takes it all out, and he makes people out of all of it. And then he starts naming them in the Shemawavi language. First, he picks one up. He goes, you will be person, Shemawavi. And then he names the Paiutes and the Shoshones and the Kawiyas and so on and so forth. And then he gets to the very, very, very end, and he looks at him and goes, hmm, those will be the Europeans. <laughs> and that's the end of the story. So first of all, let me just ask, did, did anybody notice any familiar motif in that story at all? Anybody hear anything where they went, oh, that's just like something that I know? Yeah, you know, that happens a lot, doesn't it? Oh, don't open the basket. Don't turn around. Don't. Well, there you go. Right. The faded mistake, the necessary one. Okay, what about all of you goddess aficionados out there? Any, the triple aspect of the goddess. The old woman who gives coyote instructions, a.k.a. the crone. The mother, who was the one who made the basket. And then we have the young woman in their seductive aspect. And the, the Shemawavi called her body louse. She's never named in the story. What would normally happen is that somebody, when the story was done, would ask that would then allow the storyteller to say her name. I'll do it without invitation so that you know what it is. Anything else that people thought was like, oh, wow, that reminds me of a, a myth that I know or something I think is true. Yes? Um, with the basket and the crossing the water, it's the whole Noah's Ark thing. Most major religions have some kind of water voyage. And I got, I got that one right away. I'm confused and mystified by why the tool was necessary. The is a little disturbing. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it seems a little... Okay, but I'll come back to that in a second. Anything else? Okay. So a couple of things to just know about the context for this story that you wouldn't otherwise know. The first thing is that from the Shemawavi perspective, there was the early time when the land was new and the early people and all of the, the animal names, all of that, they're all people. They have human forms and ways of doing things. So when Coyote ties his tail, and I made that little comment about he tied his hair back, that's the way that it was understood. And what all of these early people did was create the world that we inhabit. They refined and embellished on Ocean Woman's initial dirt spreading. And then they created the patterns for us to follow. They established the proper relationships between things. And Coyote, in particular, does a lot of that. Coyote's pattern setting, in this case, had a lot to do with sexual relationships and courtship and how all of that's supposed to take place. So, for example, in that tradition, there's the beginning assumption that the man is supposed to be the aggressor and the woman is supposed to at least feign disinterest. 
And the mother, if she is around, is supposed to express contempt for the suitor. There has to be a house. There has to be a hunt. There has to be a successful hunt. There has to be big game before there's going to be any consummating of anything. Um, before you have sex, you tie your hair back. And the bone, that's in recognition of the, of the hymen, which we all know about. Now, the idea there that there was something dangerous that had to be overcome is another very common mythological motif about the vagina. So this story is about a time before there were people like us. This is the one story, actually, where the nascent humans, the human beings made out of whatever it was that was in the basket, and the early people show up in the same story because they kind of faded away, and many of them took on the form of the animal name that they had but not all of them, as far as I understand it. So the sort of global takeaway from this story, for me, is that pattern setting. And thinking about, well, what is that? If Coyote is the one who basically established the protocols for all the important things we do, (coughs) now I think that explains a lot. (laughs) Myself. The last thing I want to say besides thank you very much is that uh, there are some really good books on the Chamber Baby, and and in particular, there are a couple by uh, Carol Beth Laird. There's one, Mirror and Pattern, that she wrote that I have that I just love, love, which is where I got these particular stories. Thank you very much for your attention. That's it for me, Catherine Savela, and Myth in the Mojave for this week. Please tune in next week, and in the meantime, happy myth-making and keep the mystery in your life alive.